0: Heavenly Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you'll move on this listener right now in your gentle, loving, powerful, and merciful way as they listen to this message from All Nations Church in Tallahassee. Amen.
1: This is one of those days that I have really been anticipating. Cal and I have been praying. We've been looking forward to October 2nd. Because some of our very, very good friends all the way from Eldoret, Kenya are here this morning. Now I'll tell you how the Lord has blessed us. In 2008, when I was relatively new in uh, serving as a leader for missions here at the church, I was sent by the church to Oklahoma to have a week's worth of training called Passport to Missions. That very same week... Kevin and Summer Sneed, who I'm about to introduce, were there, they were brand new Newlyweds, They had just been married in uh, February, and this was June of 08. And so we would spend all day long being trained and hearing from all the different missionaries all across the nations. And they were also being trained to go to Kenya. Well, in the evenings, after sitting for a really long time, it was time to walk. So we would walk the campus, and Kevin agreed for summer to walk with me And, you know, two's a good company. And so we walked and talked and talked and walked. And I got to know and fall in love with Summer. And then I got to know Kevin as well. And so for 14 years, we've been developing that friendship and then within a few years, our church, you, began supporting them on a monthly basis. And you'll, you may remember that they were here in December of 2018, and that was the last time they were able to come because something like coronavirus or something like that interrupted the travel plans. But I know that you will hear how precious and wonderful this couple, this family has been even through that you will hear how they have remained clay in the potter's hand. Uh, Now Summer is in Kids Power, or All Nations Kids, with uh, Abby and Nate. And Abby said, Daddy, I want to make my own presentation and so he helped her make her own presentation for your children all about living in kenya so summer is over there with other children but i am proud to introduce our great friend kevin sneed
0: thank you i appreciate it god bless you praise the lord good morning it's good to be back at all nations church today and i appreciate the opportunity. Thank you to Pastor Steve Dow and uh, Sister Yvonne uh, for leading the way in uh, standing with us. This church has been supporting us faithfully for many years and we are so grateful for you and your leadership here and especially for Cal and Ann, our good friends for so many years now who have stood with us as well. We appreciate your friendship, your support and thank you for hosting us this weekend. We have been hosted very well. Uh, this weekend at their home and I'm glad to be here with you today. I want to say thank you for standing with us in the midst of COVID and all of the difficulties that arose from that. Uh, You never stopped supporting us while we were working in Kenya and I want to say thank you for doing that. That was a huge blessing to us. In fact when we were going into that season we didn't know what to expect in terms of donations and support that never dropped. Our personal support never Uh, dropped during that time the Lord provided everything we needed uh, in the midst of that season and we've come back this year this is our first time back in America uh, since all that happened we've come back this year primarily to say thank you thank you for what you did and we want to share some of the testimonies of how your giving and your support made a difference in Kenya during that time but this is my family if you uh, put the picture on the screen you can see uh, my family there we go. Uh, my daughter now is nine. My son is seven. And they are ready to go back to Kenya tomorrow. We're trying to let, to make them hold out till Christmas at least. But they want to get back to Kenya so, so badly. But they're glad to be here this morning sharing in the kids' church. And my wife, Summer, is standing there too. If you go to the next slide. We've been working in Kenya now for uh, almost 15 years and we've been working at this school called East Africa Bible College. When we first got involved in missions, we didn't uh, really know what God was going to do in our lives, but we knew there was a need in East Africa for teaching. And so we went to teach at East Africa Bible College, and the Lord has really used that school to make a difference in East Africa. What I've found is that God is calling people from East Africa to do the work of ministry, to plant churches, to start children's homes, to be missionaries, and to do all sorts of work for the kingdom of God. And they want to do the work, but they need a little bit of help to do what God is calling them to do. And that's where Summer and I have been able to serve. We are helping to raise up the people that God is calling and send them out to do what God has called them to do. And we do that through East Africa Bible College. If you go to the next slide, This is one of uh, our most recent graduating classes. We had a graduation in uh, April of this year. Uh, These are all students now who who are going out to do the work of God after being trained, some for two years, some for one year in our various programs. And these were the students who learned on campus. But the good news is we have many students who feel the call of God and who want to serve God but they cannot make it to our campus in Eldoret, Kenya. So we also operate eight learning sites across East Africa where students can come and be trained without ever having to come to the campus. It takes a bit longer because they only come for the weekends, but they were willing to do that to give their weekends up for two, three, four years to be trained for Christian ministry. And this year, because of COVID restrictions, we had to have a graduation for all the students that finished up their program during the COVID shutdowns and we had four graduations this year for students who have fulfilled their requirements and are now going out to do what they've been trained to do. If you go to the next slide, you can see one of our largest graduating classes. These are two groups of students who gave their time during the pandemic to study the word of God and prepare for ministry. And we had a big graduation and celebration with them in May of this year, so many People came for the graduation that we had to do it outside. They couldn't even fit all inside the building. And these students are all active in ministry across the central Kenya region. Yeah. Amen. And so we see a a great move of God among East Africa. People are accepting the call to go and do what God has called them to do. And they're accomplishing great things for the kingdom of God. If you go to the next slide, I'll show you some of the uh, places where we're teaching. This is one of our classrooms off campus. This is a church where about eight or nine students meet together every weekend, committing themselves to learn the word of God, to learn theology, to learn practical ministry so that they can do better what God has called them to do. I was teaching here just in June before I came to America in July, and the students there are carrying on even while I'm here. If you go to the next slide, you'll see another one of our learning sites. This is in Uganda. I was in Uganda teaching at our school there in March of 2020, just before everything shut down. When I crossed the border into Uganda, I I, I crossed that border often by foot. When I crossed that border into Uganda, for the first time ever, they checked my temperature. And I said, what are you checking my temperature for? And they said, we wanna make sure you don't have this coronavirus. I said, okay. I went on into the, and I even made a joke about it. That's how crazy I was. I made a joke about it when I got into Uganda about how I didn't bring COVID with me. When I went back into Kenya after teaching, they were even wearing hazmat suits. And they were very serious. And I thought, okay, something's going to happen here. And the next week, everything shut down. I couldn't go back to that learning site for about a year and a half. When I finally went in, Uh, I I said, "Okay, before we shut down, we had 15 students here learning. How many do you think are going to be here when we open? And they were confident that most would return. And they said, even while we've been shut down, uh, many other students have applied to come. I said, well, great. We'll start in 2022 teaching again. I went in February of 2022 to that learning site. And instead of having 15, we had 32 students signed up for the program. And the reason we met under a tree is our little classroom was not big enough for all the students to comfortably sit. So we had our classes under a tree near Mbali, Uganda, where people are coming, hungry to know the word of God and to learn the practice of ministry. If you go to the next slide, I wanna show you what some of our students are doing. This is one of our students from Malawi who graduated uh, just, just, just this year. His name is Nixon. And he is working in Malawi to plant now his third church that he has planted. Uh, he was doing this before he was a student at East Africa Bible College. But now he's doing it at another level after finishing at EABC, planting churches in Malawi. If you go to the next slide, I think you can see another one of our students. This, the, one, the one I'm laying hands on is named Tintufie. He's a student from Tanzania. He, was, he, he, he grew up in the church and when he became... Uh, old enough for college, they sent him to our school for college. Uh, he had not been a, a senior pastor before, just helping in his local church. After he graduated, he went back to Tanzania, and the bishop there sent him to a small congregation that was meeting under a tree at the foot of Mount Kilimanjaro, a beautiful place in a, near a town called Moshi, Tanzania. And he went to that church, meeting under a tree, and he led them in building this building that you see here. And he contacted me December of last year and said, "Can you please come and help us dedicate this building to the Lord?" Uh, he didn't send me a picture of the building. I didn't know what I was going to dedicate. When I got down there and I saw that, I said, "My goodness, Tentufi, how did you build this building?" He didn't ask me for any money. I don't think he asked anybody else for any money. The congregation joined together and built their own building there in an old cornfield. <laughs> I might have gave $20 in an offering one time, so it wasn't me who did this. But when we had that dedication, the, the people were so excited about their church, they went Every tree in the community, they pulled the branches off the trees and they went around the church celebrating it. They said, we're going to march around this church seven times like they did around Jericho. I said, be careful. We don't want it to fall down. But it didn't fall down. It's standing. That church is full of people. We had a revival there after the, or during the dedication uh, series of revival meetings and people filled that congregation From the local community and what's amazing is that when you walk out the front door you see the beautiful view of Mount Kilimanjaro just out the front door the snow-capped mountain of Kilimanjaro but out the back door there's a community in great need and that church has been meeting the needs of that community there's a water well nearby and there's people in that church who wait for the community to come to the water well so they can pray for the women and the children come in to get their water for the day. And even while I was there at that that revival meeting, I was in the office one uh, afternoon having a cup of tea and we heard a great commotion outside. I didn't know if it was fighting or praying, but it was praying because a woman had come with a great need and was being delivered even right outside the door of the church on a Thursday afternoon. Amen. So I I can't take credit for what our students are doing. They are doing a great work on their own, but I'm glad that God used us in a small way to help prepare them to do that thing that they're able to do in their countries. They're reaching people I cannot reach. They're going to places I cannot go. They're building buildings I cannot build, but I'm glad I can help in a small way, and you are helping too to prepare them for that work. If you go to the next slide, Another uh, interesting experience I had right before COVID, I went to visit one of our former students uh, who works in a very desert area, an area of Kenya that uh, is very dry and somewhat neglected. When he was at the Bible school, I wasn't really for sure how successful he would be. Uh, I didn't know what God would do with him, but he was committed to finishing and he finished his course and he went back to his people And he had a slow start in the ministry. It was not uh, immediate success like Tentufia. It was a slow go. He was in an unreached area of Kenya, a very hard place to work. But he didn't give up. He remained faithful to the small work that God gave him to do there. And in 2019, Kenya had a census uh, that counted the population. It finished in 2020. But the government did not send anyone into this area to count the people. They said it was too hard to get to and the tribe that lived there was not significant enough to count in the national census. They wouldn't even go there to count them. But our student, his name is Didas, he's sitting right there beside me. He used that as an opportunity to reach his community. He told them in a, in a, in a sermon that maybe you don't count in the nation of Kenya. But you count in the kingdom of God. You are significant in the kingdom of God. And the government doesn't know who you are. The government doesn't know where you live. But God is aware of where you are. And that, that small testimony opened the door for a great ministry. I went to visit his church. And he doesn't have a big building like Tentufier. They meet in this brush right here. Under the shade of these shrubs. But it's a wonderful church, reaching that community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I think on the next slide, if you go to the next slide, oh no, I'm sorry, it's not there. They had dug a hole in the ground and were waiting for it to rain so the hole could fill it with water so that they could baptize new believers. Yeah, so our, our students are going places I cannot go and doing things I cannot do, but I'm glad I can help them get there and do it through the ministry of East Africa Bible College. Now my wife I don't think has come in yet, she's still helping my children. My wife is involved in girls' ministry in Kenya. This is one of the girls' ministry groups that she uh, works with there. Uh, The Lord put it on her heart to work with girls to train ladies in Kenya to reach the girls in their community, but in our own community, our own area where we live, there was a group of, of young women who had uh, become pregnant outside of marriage and they uh, were somewhat connected to our church but now not feeling welcome in the church anymore. Summer decided to form a small group to minister to these ladies, to give them hope, to give them uh, a place to uh, have a small group to support one another, a place where they could learn skills and things for motherhood. And through that small group, of these teenage mothers, we have seen eight families, uh, mothers and children, uh, recommitted to the Lord. And just last year, amen. Just last year we had in our church a dedication for their children. They were afraid to bring their children to be dedicated to the Lord because of the circumstances they were in. But they stood there with their children, some of them five and six years old, having never been dedicated, and asked the church to join them in dedicating these children to the Lord. And it was a great testimony of how God redeemed their situation through girls' ministry. If you go to the next slide, you can see, I think some of the girls, uh, oh no, this is is another story, but some uh, enrolled those girls in uh, different types of skills, training, some learned how to sew, some learned baking, some learned uh, how to sew clothing. Uh, Others learned how to do different uh, small uh, uh, hairdressing and things and Not all but most of them got involved in small businesses now where they are supporting their children even supporting their parents and It's amazing to see how God is working in their life Now this is a little girl named Lucy and she represents one of about 75 children that we were able to help during the COVID times When COVID came, all the schools in Kenya shut down from primary school up to the Bible schools where we were working, the universities, they were all closed because of COVID. And we thought, maybe like you thought, that this thing would only last a few weeks or a few months, but as it carried on and we realized schools were not going to reopen in 2020, we felt a burden to do something to help the children in our community who could not go to school in the midst of this pandemic. So in June and July, when we realized there would be no more schooling in 2020, we reached out to people to people some of you may know about people to people with an idea to to turn our campus into a community learning center. Schools were closed, you couldn't have a school, but the government would allow a community learning center, so the children could come and receive some tutorial and some training to not fall behind in their education. They came and inspected our campus and they said you can take about 70 children here with social distancing and everything. So we opened up our campus for students could come and learn between third grade and 12th grade. So we had a a, a small classroom for each of those grades, some two classes in one room. And we did that for uh, the months of August through December. During that time when we opened it up for the community to come, We had over 120 children come wanting to be involved in this program. We could only take 70. I had to run around and make more space and bring more chairs in. We took about 10 more than what we were supposed to take. uh, But we had to turn people away from this program. But for almost five months, we gave them quality education. We hired teachers from the church and the community who were out of work to come and teach them. People to people provided money to give them breakfast and lunch every day. We had after school activities every day so that these children Monday through Friday had a safe place to come during the week to learn, to have fun, and to hear the word of God. We had chapel services with them as well, preaching and teaching to the children. And during that time, we had several testimonies of how God was changing the lives of children. One child, uh we realized she was being physically abused in her home and we were able to intervene and change her situation with the help of her mother. Another child was failing school, failing his classes, Uh, probably wasn't going to move forward in school. When he went back to school in January 2021, he was passing his classes. He was moving ahead. And this was Lucy. Lucy was going through a very difficult situation in her home life. She had a very... Heartbreaking story. And we found out about it through the ministry that we were doing with Girls Ministry. She came to a girls ministry sleepover one weekend and told her story. And we were able to intervene in her life and change that situation. I can't tell you everything that she went through uh publicly, but we can share privately some of the details if you're interested. But God was working in the lives of these children, and even though it was a pandemic and even though things were shut shut down. God was moving even during that time. And we saw ministry happen. We saw people set free. We saw children delivered in the midst of the pandemic. So thank you for standing with us in that time. Our ministry changed during the pandemic, but it was not shut down during the pandemic. God opened doors for us to do unique things that I never thought I would do. But it was a necessary work. And I believe some of the most important work we've been able to do. If you go to the next slide, I think there's one more slide after that. Oh, this is some of the girls learning their sewing projects. I I had my slides out of place. Go to the next slide, uh, if you don't mind. The last thing I want to talk about is a new work that we're doing now. It's called Operation Teaching Tools. One thing that I have discovered in my work, working in Kenya and East Africa over the last 14 years, is that people are hungry for the Word of God. Now, maybe you don't see it much around America, but outside of America, especially in Africa and Asia, there is a hunger and a thirst for the word of God. When I go to teach in these places where I teach, I don't bring any money. I don't bring any music. I don't bring any uh, food. I just come with my notes and the Bible and the, the seats fill up with people who want to learn the word of God. They are hungry to know, and God has put us in a place to help to quench that hunger, to help fulfill that desire to hear the Word of God. And even though I've only been physically present in East Africa, we receive calls all the time to come to Southern Africa, to Western Africa, to Asia, to teach the Word of God. We just can't do it. We can't go all those places, but I've been working on writing curriculum so that others can go and teach what we've been teaching. We're writing curriculum now for Bible schools, Summer's doing curriculum for children, and we're also doing curriculum for Sunday schools. In our Sunday school curriculum, we are producing lessons that teachers can teach in our local churches that's free, they don't have to pay for it, but also high quality. You know, if you go online and look for things, you'll find a lot of free stuff that's junk. But we want our teachers to find quality material that they can use absolutely free. And that's what we're doing through Operation Teaching Tools, providing quality teaching tools for teachers to use at every level of education, from teaching children to adult Sunday school to Bible schools. And we have samples of that on our table in the back. You can see what we're doing and and what we're producing and sending out. And even, even if you want to receive some of that material, We can put you on the list to receive that material as well. But this is another avenue that God has opened for us to help meet the need that people have to hear the word of God. And I'm glad, I'm glad that there's a hunger in the world to know the word of God. That people are desperate even to hear the word of God. And if we don't quench that hunger, they'll turn to voices that they need not turn to. To get that information. So the the need is great and I'm trying to help meet that need in the small way that I can, and I wanna say thank you for helping me do that. We have come back to America to say thank you, but also to share with you that uh, we do still have needs financially in Kenya. Uh, Our personal support is very strong, but the support for the Bible school and for the girls' ministry that my wife is doing is not as strong as it should be and we're hoping while we're here for the next few months to raise up our support for the Bible School and for girls ministry. So if God is is calling you to increase your support or to become a new supporter of our ministry, I would ask you to consider giving to the Bible School or giving to girls ministry so that we can carry out this work that God has given us to do. Everyone who wants one today, I want to give you a magnet with our picture on it. You might not want to see my face, I understand that, But when you do see it, just pray for us. Pray that God will help us and uh, let that be a reminder that you have friends in Kenya who are trying to do the work of God. Also on our table, there's different information cards about the ministries that we're doing. Girls ministry, operation teaching tools, the Bible school. And on the back is information and how you can give. You can give just through this local church. This church sends what you give to us every month without fail. But there's also ways to give online as well, and all that is at the table in the back. Plus, we have some other things back there you're welcome to come and, and see, and even a pin uh, that you can take home with you today, too. These are just ways to say thank you and to remind you of your missionaries serving in East Africa. And if you have any questions or anything you want to talk about, please come find me after the service. I'll be glad to, to meet with you. And talk with you more about the ministry i have so many stories that i can share i probably uh, ann and cal are probably tired of hearing my stories so won't you come and hear my stories and give them a break but i want to say thank you again and god bless you amen now i do want to share with you the word of god this morning and I, i know i've taken a lot of time in the presentation so i won't hold you Uh, too much longer with this but this is the word that God has given me for today and for this place from the book of Jonah the book of Jonah chapter number four uh, and I want to read beginning at verse five the book of Jonah chapter four verse five and we're going to do something you probably ought not to do normally we're going to read the end of the story first all the authors in here are shocked I know but We're going to read the end of the story first, and then I want to go back and tell you how it got to this point. So Jonah chapter 4, beginning at verse 5. Jonah went out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, set in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. Verse 6. Then the Lord God provided a vine and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the vine. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the vine so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind. God provided that. (laughs) A scorching east wind. And the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die. And he said, it would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, Do you have a right to be angry about the vine? I do, he said. I'm angry enough to die. But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this vine, though you did not tend it or make it to grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left and many cattle as well. Should I not be concerned about that great city? That's the end of the story. Let me go back and tell you how the story happened. This is from the book of Jonah. Jonah was a prophet in Israel. Jonah is mentioned only twice in the Bible. He's mentioned in the book of Jonah and he's mentioned once in 2 Kings chapter 14. Now, let me tell you why he was important in Israel. And I have to go back a little bit into the history. We know that after Israel was delivered out of Egypt and eventually came into their promised land, at first they were ruled by a series of judges and, and priests who would have a, a, a short time of authority over the people. And they were in this, in this pattern of sin and rebellion, sin and rebellion. And they finally asked for a king and for a while, Israel, the whole of the, of, the, of the community, the 12 tribes, were ruled by kings in what we call the United Kingdom. And there were only three kings who actually ruled over all of Israel. There was uh, Saul in the beginning, then David, and David's son, Solomon. Now, after Solomon, Israel divided because Solomon had a son named Rehoboam, Uh, who had an opportunity to keep the kingdom united but he he failed Uh, he did not listen to good advice and because of his bad decision Israel was divided and now there was a northern kingdom led by a guy named Jeroboam and a southern kingdom led by the son of Solomon Rehoboam and they continued to exist like that and they never came back together. Now sometimes they would be allies and sometimes they'd be enemies, but they were always divided. In the northern part of what we call Israel, there was uh, a prophet named Jonah. Jonah was in that northern part of Israel. And to the north of Israel, there was a, a kingdom called the Assyrians. Now there's still a nation today called Syria, part of that old Assyrian kingdom. And the Assyrians were bound on expanding. They wanted to make a bigger kingdom for themselves. They would swallow up smaller kingdoms and they had their eye on Israel. They had already started to come into Israel and take some of the land and kill some of the people and terrorize that that nation. But in 2 Kings chapter 14, God gave Jonah a prophecy, a word, that some of the land that had been taken would be restored back to Israel. And Jonah was very happy to give that word to his people. He was very happy to prophesy that these enemies of Israel, these Assyrians were going to have to give back what they had stolen from his people. And in his mind, and probably in every Israeli person's mind, the Assyrians were the terrorists of their day. They were terrorizing Israel. If you read about the Assyrians and how they uh, conducted warfare, it would be horrible. I can't even talk about it right now because of little ears that might hear how they would terrorize the communities that they attacked and the awful things that they would do. They were awful people. They were awful people. And Jonah did not like them at all. It gave him great pleasure to prophesy that the land they had stolen would be returned. But then in the book of Jonah, it begins with this. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, Amittai, go to the great city Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. So here, Jonah was not told to go to the king of Israel and give a report. He was told to go to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was not the capital of Assyria, but Nineveh was... One of the largest cities in the empire and the closest city to Israel. It was from Nineveh that the Assyrians would launch their attacks against Israel. It was their enemy. And Jonah was told to go into that city and to preach against Assyria. Now you would think that he would want to do that. They were his enemies. He hated these people. Let me go and tell them that God is going to wipe them off the face of the earth. But that's not what he did. In fact, instead of going towards Nineveh, he went the exact opposite geographical direction. He went down to the Mediterranean Sea and tried to get on a boat going to Spain, Tarsus. And you know the story. We've heard this from children. This is one of our favorite children's church stories. And on, on that boat, God provided a storm. God provides a lot of things in the book of Jonah that we might not want. God provided a storm and it was a storm so fierce that even those sailors began to be afraid for their life and they were trying to find out how they could possibly get out of this storm and they went down into the boat and they found Jonah asleep in the boat and they woke him up and said, you better start praying because we're all gonna die in this storm. And Jonah said, I know how to solve this problem. You take me and throw me off the boat and you'll be okay. Now this is a man who did not want to live. Just take me and throw me off the boat. They didn't want to do that at first, but they finally did it. And when they threw him off the boat, the storm calmed down. Jonah was just sinking into the water and God provided a fish that came and swallowed him up. Now, unfortunately, some of those stories we heard in children's church were not totally accurate. Because in our mind, we still see that picture in the children's storybook of Jonah in the belly of that big fish and he was walking around in that belly and he had a place down there where he might could even lay down and maybe a picture a, a chair over here to sit in that's not how it was the largest fish the largest whale that's ever been examined had a stomach about the size of a grown man And so when he was swallowed by that fish, he was in there just like this. I mean, he couldn't move. He couldn't lie down. He couldn't sit down. That stomach was just big enough to hold him. And everything else that fish was eating was just passing right through him, guts and everything else. It was not a pleasant place to be. He didn't have a place to kneel down and pray. He had to pray like this. And you can read his prayer over in chapter 2. Jonah prayed for God to deliver him. You know, he wanted to die, not be stuck in a fish's belly. And so he said, God, please deliver me. So God delivered him and caused that fish to spit him out. And in chapter 3, it says, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message of That I give you why did God call him again I don't know God could use anybody God could send anyone into that city but for some reason God had a plan to use Jonah God wanted the word of the Lord to be proclaimed in that city in Jonah's voice I don't know why but that's how God operates and I believe even today, even now, there are some people that God has prepared to hear the word of God in your voice. They can hear it in my voice, they can hear it in another person, they can hear it on the radio, they can hear it on the television, they can read it in the Bible, but for some reason, they're, they're waiting to hear it proclaimed in your voice. They're waiting to hear it from your mouth. Now that's an awesome responsibility. That somehow. Someone else's salvation is somehow tied up in my obedience. God help me. But God wants to use your voice. To proclaim his word and he will bring you through storms and fishes' bellies. To get that word into the ears of those people. So Jonah was sent back to that city. And when you read about his visit to Nineveh, it was not a very uh, pleasant visit. If you go to verse number four, chapter three, on the first day, Jonah started into the city. He proclaimed, this, this was his sermon, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overturned. That was the message. Now, if you're trying to have an evangelistic crusade I would not recommend preaching that kind of message but Jonah wasn't really concerned about evangelism (laughs) he was giving them the judgment of God 40 more days 40 more days and God is going to wipe you off the face of the earth you have attacked his people you have killed his people you have taken their land you have terrorized us long enough God is not going to put up with it any longer in 40 more days he's going to wipe you off the face of the earth And it says here that the people began to hear that word in his voice and they said, we got to do something. And they tore their clothes and they put on sackcloth and ashes to demonstrate their repentance. And it started with the people in the street and it went all the way up to the king, to the king. And the king put out a declaration by decree of the king and his nobles. Do not let any man or beast, herd or flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink. Now, it's one thing to fast for yourself. But can you imagine withholding food and water from your animals? Now, at our Bible school, we have an agricultural program. We teach agriculture, too, and we have a a working farm at the school. We have uh, ducks and chickens and rabbits and goats and even cows. And I have really come to love our cows. Number one, because they make the most money for us. But it just cows are, uh, they're, they're a gentle beast. They're just a nice, I love to be around them. I've learned a lot about working with cows. They need a lot to eat and a lot to, to drink. We couldn't have the cows if we didn't have land for them to graze or water for them to drink. And they have to eat and drink Often. And I have invested a lot in them, and thank God they have they have produced for me. But I would I could not imagine refusing to give my cows food or water. That's that's irresponsible. That's detrimental. That's going to cause them to die, and lose my. But that's how serious they were about repenting. Not just me. But I, I would I would rather even my whole livestock die to let before I continue living in this sin they were, they were repenting seriously and verse 10 says when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways he had compassion on them and did not bring upon them the destruction that he had threatened
1: God was
0: a Gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love. And when they repented, he would not send judgment upon them. Now, you would think Jonah would celebrate that his sermon converted a whole city. But that's not what happened. Look at verse 4, or look at chapter 4, verse 1. But Jonah was greatly displeased and became angry. He prayed to the Lord, oh Lord, is this not what I said when I was still at home? This is why I was so quick to flee to Tarshish. He didn't run away from that city because he was afraid they would kill him. He wasn't afraid of being killed by them. Sometimes we think, well, maybe he was afraid to go. He wasn't afraid to go preach there. He wasn't worried that they might kill him. He wasn't worried that they might torture him. He wasn't worried about that. His main concern was he was worried that they might actually get saved. And he didn't want them to get saved because he was looking forward to watching the fire of God fall from the sky and wipe them off the face of the earth. And he said if I can if I can just if I can just keep my mouth shut for 40 more days they won't hear the word of God they won't have a chance to repent and God will destroy my enemies. <laughs> and so he said I'm going to just I'll run away and get on the boat. Surely 40 days I can avoid I can avoid this for 40 days. <laughs> And so when he preached, he said, "See God, I told you this was going to happen. I told you that if I came here and preached even this terrible message, forty more days and Nineveh will be overturned. Nothing about love or grace. Or I knew that if I preached this message, these people would get saved, and you would have you would have grace upon them, and you would not kill them. I knew. Verse two. I knew." That you were a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love. A God who relents from sending calamity. Now, O Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. If you're going to allow these Ninevites, these Assyrians to remain on the earth, take me off of it. Wipe me off the face of the earth. I don't want to live in a world where my God saves these people. That's, that, was, that was Jonah's attitude. Now in a minute, I want to talk about some negative things, some things that we read in this story that we need to, to do the opposite of. But just uh, for a moment, I want to talk about one positive thing in Jonah's life. I admire how confident Jonah was in the word of God. He was so confident in the Word of God. He was so confident in the message of God that he didn't even want to preach it because he was afraid people would get saved. I want that confidence. I want to be so confident in the Word of God that when I stand up to declare it, I'm expecting something to happen. Sometimes we we keep our mouth shut because we think nothing's going to happen. Well, they're not going to listen to me. They're not going to receive what I have to say. I'm not even going to say it right anyway. Well, I'm just, I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. But that's not the issue. The issue is not whether you can say it the right way or whether you have the, uh, the speaking ability to proclaim. You're not proclaiming your word. You're proclaiming the word of God. And the word of God is a seed that you sow that will grow. It will grow. Don't be afraid to proclaim the word of God. Let us have the confidence in God's word that Jonah had. Let us go out and say, if I have a word from the Lord for someone, I'm going to speak it because I know something's going to happen. And we have something Jonah didn't have. We have the Holy Spirit. God's word proclaimed in your voice in the power of the Holy Spirit can do even greater than what happened in this story. Your spirit empowered voice coupled with the word of God will make a difference in this city. And so there's someone out there now who needs to hear what you have to say. They might be a coworker. they might be a neighbor, they might be a family member. It might be someone of great authority, it might be someone nobody else knows but you. But they're, they're waiting for you. They don't even know it, but they're waiting to hear something from your voice. They're waiting to hear God's word proclaimed in the power of his spirit in the sound of your voice. And it doesn't have to be a sermon. Jonah only said about seven words And it changed a city. Just a few words, my brothers and sisters, proclaimed at the right time to the right people in the right spirit will make a world of difference. There's a city out there, Tallahassee, that needs to hear what you have to say. Have confidence in the Word of God. Jonah was so confident in the Word of God, he didn't even want to preach because he knew even his worst sermon (laughs) would make a difference in that city. And so he went out and he sat down at a place east of the city. He didn't go back home. He sat down because he thought, maybe if I have a fit on this hill, God will burn the city down. And he sat there, oh, I wish I was dead and so God, and this is where we started reading, God sent a vine to grow. And it grew up above him miraculously. This is in the desert, by the way. It grew up miraculously overnight to the to the size that it could shade his head. And he sat in the shade and watched that city and thought, okay, now maybe something's going to happen. But then God provided a worm to come in I love that worm I don't think that worm had a problem obeying the word of God when the word of God came to Jonah he ran away when the word of God came to the worm he went to work and he went and ate that vine and that vine withered up and died and Jonah was back again oh I wish I was dead why do you wish you were dead, Jonah? You've taken away my vine. Then God sent a scorching heat. I think you know about that living in Florida. A scorching heat blowing in there to bring him even more discomfort. And God used that to teach him a lesson. God said, Jonah, you've been so concerned about this vine and so concerned about your own Comfort and your own desire and your own prejudice that you failed, you failed to be concerned about the things of God. And that's something we need to learn in Jonah's story that was negative about Jonah. Jonah was so concerned about something that did not matter that he could no longer be concerned about the things that had eternal significance. He was so concerned about something that did not really matter at all in the world. God said it rose up in a night and it died in a night. But God's concern was about the souls in that city who would endure for eternity. 120,000 who were so ignorant about the things of God that spiritually they didn't even know their right hand from their left hand. And Jonah was mourning the death of his vine and praying for the death of the city. And we can fall into that same trap where we get so caught up, so caught up in things that don't matter. That it takes away our energy from the things that matter to God. We've got to learn to let go of these things that don't matter so that we can take hold of what God has called us to do. So that we can be concerned about the things that concern the heart of God. God is concerned about this city. God is concerned about your neighbors. God is concerned about your family. God is concerned about those people you don't want to talk to. And he has called you to use your voice to help proclaim his word to those people. But we're holding on to a vine somewhere. And we don't want to let go. That vine could represent several things here. Number one, it could represent his Jonah's own prejudice. He was he was he was prejudiced against these people. He he didn't like the Assyrians. They were the ones he knew anyway were terrorists. They were the enemies of Israel. They were people that attacked him and stole from him and probably killed some of his friends and took some of their land he did not like them if they had the name Assyrian he didn't want anything to do with them he would rather see them die than preach to them and he certainly didn't want to see them come into the family of God and although they were attacking God's people The God of the people was still willing to bring them into his kingdom. God's love for the Assyrians was not diminished by their behavior. God's love for the Assyrians was not held back because of what nationality they were. God's love for the Assyrians was not diminished because they were from a certain place or from a certain tribe or they were a certain color or they were a certain people. God loved them and that is why God raised one of his own people to go and minister to that city. Yes, God wanted him to send a, a message of judgment. God wanted Jonah to give them a harsh word but that was for the purpose of bringing them into salvation. If God didn't want them to hear the word of God, if he was just wanting to destroy them, he would have never called a prophet to go minister to them. He would have just destroyed them. But God wanted them to have an opportunity to repent before his judgment fell on those people. And he called Jonah to do it. And Jonah didn't want to go because he didn't like Assyrians. I don't like those people. Our view of the kingdom of God, our view of who should be even in this church should include the people we don't want to hang out with the people we don't like the people we think are unsavable and just like that tribe in Kenya that the government didn't count there are some people we have counted out of the kingdom of God they don't count in our book we're not going to go try to find them we're not going to go try to count them because they're too insignificant for us to be involved with And if God told me to go to them, I'd go the opposite. I'd cross the street before I'd go on that side talk to them. There's people like that in our lives that we need to repent of that and say, God, use my voice even among those people. Help me to love them. Because God has counted in the people that we have counted out. And he wants them to be a part of our kingdom and our family and our church. That vine represented some prejudice in his life, and he was holding on to that vine and not ready to let go. It also represented some selfishness in his life. He wouldn't do what he wanted to do. Lord, I'll I'll prophesy your word to the king of Israel about things that I enjoy and things that I like. I'll do what you want me to do if it's something I agree with. But if it's something I don't agree with, I'm not going to do it. (laughs) I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to give that. I'm not going to do that. And so rather than doing what God called him to do, he was holding on to his own selfish desires. And his his desire maybe wasn't a bad desire. He wanted Israel to be safe. He wanted Israel to be free of enemies. He wanted Israel to to not have a northern enemy. And he said, if if these people are allowed to remain, they will continue to terrorize us. But he didn't understand that God had another way of reconciling those communities. He didn't have to destroy one to save the other. He could have saved them both. But Jonah had his selfish desire that he would not let go of, and it hindered him from seeing what God wanted to do and doing what God asked him to do. And the third thing that vine could represent is his own comfort. In fact, it even says here that this vine for a moment eased his discomfort. This whole story has Jonah uncomfortable. <laughs> when God gave him the word in verse one, uh, chapter 1, he was uncomfortable with that. I don't want to go there. When God put him on the boat, God didn't let him get comfortable in that boat. He sent a storm to rock the boat and to wake him up from his sleep. When he fell into the water, God would not let him be comfortable in the water. God sent a fish to swallow him up and hold him in that nasty belly until he vomited him out. And when Jonah preached his message and didn't like the response, God did not allow him to be comfortable. He sent that scorching east wind and that hungry little worm to come and bring Jonah some discomfort. But Jonah was so concerned about holding on to his comfort. That he couldn't let go and do what God wanted him to do. Sometimes if we are serious about doing what God wants us to do, we are going to be in some uncomfortable places. And do some uncomfortable things. But when we do it for the Lord, He can turn your discomfort into comfort in the kingdom of God. What I'm doing in ministry is something I never imagined I would do. And I did not immediately feel comfortable about what God was calling me to do. I felt like God had called me into a desert. And then one day the Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to look at the the beginning of Jesus' ministry. When Jesus was baptized by John in the Jordan River, he had a glorious baptism experience. The voice of God spoke over him. The light of heaven shone down upon him. The Holy Spirit descended upon him visibly in the Jordan River. And it says that immediately he was called by the Spirit into the desert, the wilderness. And he spent 40 days there preparing to do what God had called him to do. In his discomfort, God formed him into the person or God prepared him for the ministry that he was supposed to be doing. And we are often in that place where we we don't know why God has called us over there or asked us to do this. It's uncomfortable for us, but if we step out in obedience and do it, we'll find comfort in the midst of our discomfort. We'll find the power of the Holy Spirit and the peace of God. So my message to you today is let go of that vine or maybe don't let go of it but pull it up by the roots. Pull it up by the roots. If there's any prejudice in us that's holding us back from doing what God wants us to do, let him send the worm to eat it up. If there's any uh, selfishness in our life, That is holding us back from fully doing what God has called us to do. Let him send the wind to blow it away. And if our desire to be comfortable outweighs our desire to obey God, let him send something to kill it. So that we can be free to go and do what God has asked us to do without any hindrance. And let the Holy Spirit use our voice to proclaim his word to a city that needs to hear the message. The book of Jonah ends with this question. Should I not be concerned about that great city? Jonah, you're concerned about the wrong things. You're concerned about things that don't matter. I'm concerned about something that matters. We don't know how Jonah responded to that question. The book ends right there. We don't know how, he probably, I don't know, I don't know what he did, but he probably didn't respond very well. (laughs) I hope he did. I don't know. I don't know. But I know we have a chance to respond today. We have a chance to respond in a better way. Should I not be, yes, we should be concerned about this great city. There are people here that still need to hear something from God in our voice. And I'm not gonna, we're not going to let any prejudice or discomfort or selfishness hold us back. Maybe even this week, you'll have the opportunity to proclaim that thing that God wants you to proclaim. To do that thing that God wants you to do that unlocks the door for someone to get in to the kingdom of God. And I pray it happens. I pray it happens in your life. You have helped me so much in my work in Kenya. God has opened so many doors for our family to do ministry in that nation. I pray that God will open the doors for you to do ministry in this city, even if it's just speaking a simple word to someone who needs to hear God's message in your voice. And that's how I want to pray today. Let me pray for you that this will happen for us. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for the congregation that meets in this building. I thank you for all nations' church. Lord, they they have adopted that name, I believe, because they have a heart for the nations. No one is, is excluded. No one is counted out. And I pray, Lord, that the name of this church will also be the theme of our life. Let me be an all-nations Christian. Let me be an all-nations person. And Lord, I pray that you will use our voices to proclaim your word this week. Lord, give us a message for someone. Give us an opportunity to speak to someone who needs to hear your word and empower our voices by your Spirit proclaim a word that makes a difference. Lord, let us not be hindered by prejudice. Lord, remove that from our life. If there's any of it left, take it away, Lord. Take it away, Lord. We ask you to do it. We ask you to remove it. And if it's rising up again, Lord, pull it up by the root. Lord, let us not be so caught up in our own selfish will that we cannot see what you have called us to do. Lord, make your will our will. We ask you to do that. And Lord, we pray that we will not be hindered by our own comfort, Lord. But we commit again today to follow you and do what you've asked us to do even when it's uncomfortable. And Lord, I pray that through our obedience You will do a work in this city. You will do a work in this city through us, Lord. Let this church be the the recipient of a great harvest in this city because of your people. I pray you bless this church, Lord. I pray that you'll provide for the needs of this church so that they can do what you called them to do. I pray for Pastor Steve and Sister Yvonne, Lord, as they lead this congregation. Raise them up, I pray to be mightier than ever for this time. Lord, I pray that along with them, you'll raise up this congregation, these men and women, to do mighty works for God in this city. And I pray that we'll see the harvest, we'll see the results in our midst. And Lord, and what they do for other nations and other ministries with other missionaries, Lord, I pray you'll multiply the work. Whatever they have sown, Lord, I pray that you'll make it grow even faster and produce even more for the kingdom of God. Lord, I thank you for the revival that's breaking out here. Lord, let it spill out of this place and into the community. Spill out of us and into our homes, into our workplaces, into our schools, Lord. Use us, we pray. Help us not be so concerned about things that don't matter. Lord, help us to be concerned about the things that matter to you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you today.
1: We can remain in that place of Holy Spirit's work. As I sat there and listened, Holy Spirit was nailing me on some things, was he not you? Holy Spirit wants to sanctify us, to purify us, to get those things that are not of him out and all of him in. So I thank you, Kevin. Abba, we thank you for your word. Thank you for using Kevin to bring it and thank you for using him as your vessel to receive and give to receive and give father we ask that you do the same in our lives thank you for your work your unfailing work your good work thank you for your presence even now have an opportunity to sow into this ministry for Kevin and Summer Sneed in Kenya and Malawi and Tanzania and Uganda and I don't remember all the others <laughs> I'm sorry Ethiopia so we can sow into this wonderful soil and we know the seed we sow will produce great fruit will the ushers come up and receive an offering If you're online and want to give online, you go to the Give Now, and under the bracket that shows the different areas of giving, it shows tithe, but then you hit it and you drop down. And it's Kevin Sneed hyphen Africa. And all of the offering that we give now will go directly to them and their work there. So I thank you. May the Lord bless this and cause it to be fruitful and multiplied in Jesus' name. Thank you for giving.
0: You made it to the end of the message, and now what? Is God leading you to make a change? Are you needing a good church home where you can grow and help others grow as you fulfill your part in the body of Christ? Then we invite you to join us at All Nations Church on Sherer Road in Tallahassee a multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. Our Sunday morning service is at 10.30 and Wednesday night service at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For more information, visit our website, allnationstallahassee.com.